You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of the SM Media Scottish Football Show. I'm your host Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. Delighted in this week's episode, we've got a very special guest, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome the Dumbarton manager Stevie Farrell. Stevie, welcome to the show, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks Scott, thanks for the invite. No, it's a pleasure, it's one again, It's one of those kind of quiet weeks, obviously Dumbarton didn't have a game and we're no, we've not got a lot of league stuff to talk about, so... Really, really happy that you've, you've agreed to come on in the show and we'll obviously talk about it Scotland over the weekend. But obviously, Dumbarton start for the season as well. How's how you been, first of all? How's it been to get back into the, kind of, the swing of things, the season starting? We're still early days, but you must be delighted with how the season's went so far. Listen, it's, you know, it's hard. I said it last week to, to a reporter. It's seeing the lower leagues, League One, League Two, even the Championship. You know, it's hard to put her on a consecutive wins together. No, you normally if you put two or three together, you're doing really well in these leagues. So to put seven together was was fantastic. And at the start of the season, that just gives us a platform and a base. But that's all it is. So we're not getting carried away, Scott. We there's no there's no egos running about the start that we've had, and that's important. That we just and, and obviously last Tuesday night against Trinidad, we were well beaten on the night, and that kind of just gave us a reality check if if MD was getting carried away that. You know, this league's a tough, tough league uh, and you've got to be at it every single week to get anything. But for seven weeks in a row there, we were. We were really, really good. And then on Tuesday night, we just fell below those standards and got exactly what we deserve. So, you know, that's that's what this league, League Two, League One, the Championship, that, that's what these leagues are about. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when, when I kind of last spoke to you, it was kind of last year, you were obviously still at Shunral, like, Going to Dumbarton, obviously you've been there with Stevie and you've kind of, you had that, you've had this time where you went for Shunral as an assistant to Dumbarton as an assistant. Then from Rara as a manager to Dumbarton as a manager. It's been a weird kind of merry-go-round for yourself. But obviously, what was it? What was it kind of when you decided to go to Dumbarton and take that job as as manager? What was it like? Was it the kind of bas- pass back around you had with the club that kind of made you want to go back there and kind of feel like as if it was unfinished business? That fair to say? I think. I think in terms of the structure of the club and the, and the stadium itself, and and you know the, the location of the club. I, I said this when I was with Dumbarton in the championship. I, I think Dumbarton's as bigger, potentially as bigger part-time club as you'll get in Scotland. Do you know, I just think everything about the club is is right for it to be successful. Uh, when I went back and spoke to the directors before I took the job last year, we knew it was a we knew it was a rebuild job. We knew it was a, it was probably going to be an exercise. I certainly didn't want to get relegated as we did, but that was never part of the plan. Uh, and I'm not going to sit on here and make any excuse that it was because it certainly wasn't. But you know, sometimes that step back can can help you when you're trying to. You know, look at the club and look at everything, the structure of the club. I mean, for instance, we didn't even have any youth development in place. Yeah. Did that in the last 18 months, we've put on a youth structure in place and we've got people working behind the scenes in that as well now. So, you know, there's a number of things that attracted me to the club and it was probably the project and a wee bit longer term project. You know, I did. I would never have left Stranara. I love Stranara. I think they're a fantastic club, fantastic people. They, they treated me very well when I was there as assistant and as manager. And I'll never say a bad word about the club, but you know, football evolves. You know, managers evolve, players evolve, and you get opportunities. And and sometimes you just get a gut feeling that the opportunity is right for you. And I just felt that last year it was right for me at Dumbarton. And 
you know, we had a difficult season last year, a challenging season, but you learn most in those seasons sometimes. And, you know, we we worked hard in the, the close season there to, to look at everything, everything and analyse everything about the club, about where we went wrong, right, good games, bad games, all analysis. And, uh, and you know, we tried to, to rebuild, most importantly, with, with the structure in terms of our recruitment this year and get it right for League Two. And so far, so good. But as I say, it's, it's early doors. We're not getting carried away, but certainly we've given ourselves a platform to build on this season. And last season, obviously, you mentioned like being kind of getting relegated wasn't part of the plan. But I think back to that kind of 4-1 defeat to Edinburgh, who have obviously started really well in League One. Could you see that they were a that they were de- a developing side? And was that kind of shock to the system when you you get relegated to when you lost to Edinburgh? So when you get in the playoffs, and I've been in the playoffs on both sides of it, you know, the, the promotion playoffs and the relegation playoffs, and it's uh, you've probably not done enough, Scott, for absolute honest, if you're in a relegation yeah. playoff and you're the second bottom team in, 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 the, in the division. So we hadn't done enough over the season. The Edinburgh games, Edinburgh beat us fair and square over the two games, I believe, and deservedly got their place in the in League One. But, you know, for me, it was about the season. We had 36 games and we just... We just won the attic. We didn't. We didn't do the right things. We we didn't. We didn't. Recruit, we recruited too quickly last year because we came in the door late. There was just a lot of things that I looked at as a manager that I took responsibility. That and not just about the results, about everything at the club. But uh, you know, we just we just didn't get it right. There was we didn't have enough analysis. We didn't have. Uh, we didn't have good enough. You know, my sport. I didn't. I tried to get a sports scientist in and couldn't get one. And we just settled for probably too many second prizes last year, all about everything about the football club. So, you know, this year, I think we've got the structure in place. We've had a lot more time to look at it during the close season and hopefully we've got it right this season. So, but, uh, but you learn, you learn for, you learn for times of adversity and, you know, we had that last year and we've got to make sure that we do learn that and we don't make the same mistakes again. Yeah. And looking into the kind of, the club, there's new owners as well, and they've kind of they've they've said that they want to eventually kind of get down the road a full time once the kind of resources are there. Was it the kind of that as well? Like the, when the new owners come in, like how excited were you when they were kind of bringing in their vision and things like that, and how they've been so far? They've been good. They've been good, Scott. I mean, I have a good relationship with everybody at the club, uh, and I did I did when I was there previously as well. So it was good to come back to familiar faces, and that's that stability behind the scenes always helps as well. But in terms of you know, a project, a four or five year, a manager can't plan any more yeah. than six months these days. And that's just that's just a harsh reality. You just look at the merry-go-round. So I've been, I've been lucky to be in this. I said that to, to, to somebody the other day. I've been lucky now to be doing this you know, between assistant manager and manager for 11 years now. Uh, and I feel very, very fortunate to do that because you look at some better managers than me and better assistant managers than me and they don't last in the game more than a year. You know, and then they're looking for another job, and that's just the merry-go-round. So you can't plan three, four, five years. It'd be great if you could, but the, the harsh reality is you've got to go in with, with a short-term plan, and hopefully that kicks you onto that medium-term goal. And then hopefully, you know, if you're still there and doing doing a, a decent enough job, that you can get that longer-term approach. Mm-hmm. And obviously, going down to League Two, obviously when you were at Dumbarton, the kind of first time you were in the Championship, and used took over when the club were in a really good position in the championship. To go for League Two, to go into kind of League Two now, like we've seen it in the past few years where likes of Breakin and Cowden Beast been good examples. They once they get relegated from that kind of second tier, they find it difficult to get out that ruck. How important is it for Dumbarton and yourself in particular to to stop that? And obviously as you say, you've started the season really well, but 
is it more about using this the kind of relegation as a kind of right a, a point where you look at it and go right we need to get back to where we were quickly because if you don't kind of stabilise at that point and it, it could go that way. Absolutely, but that's that, that's where you've got to trust yourself. You've got to trust. You've got to trust the people running about. You've got to trust the club. You've got to trust the club that will support you in terms of your recruitment because your recruitment's key. And mm -hmm. this year, you know, we we try to get that balance between League One players who have played League One most of their career, and you know that the people who understood League Two, and try and take that balance and that initiative that's going to take you forward with that structure. So you know, I I did it previously in League Two with Stranraer. So League Two is a difficult league. Do you know, I look this year and there's no gimmies you know you look at yeah. every game I was up at Forfa yesterday my day off looking at Forfa still and they were next two games and another another competitive game and Forfa you know still in, a, in behind tucked in behind us Forfa you know are sitting you know towards the bottom end of the table but you know for the first 25 minutes Forfa were the better side and I think everybody in Stirling would be on honest enough to admit that and then the boy Slater gets carried off who was having a big influence in the game in the first 20, 25 minutes so in League 2 there's good players there's players who understand it and there's good teams and you've got to you've got to do both sides of the game. You've got to be really, really good out of possession and without the ball in League Two. And then when you get the ball, you know, and, and, and go and play in the top end of the pitch, you've got to have players who, who've got that wee bit quality. And you know, hopefully, hopefully we've recruited to, to have that both sides of the game this year in League Two and give ourselves a chance. And that's when you look when you look at the kind of the squad you've got this season, like there's a as you say, there's a really good mixture of kind of experience, like Sir Gregor Buchanan. Kind of Stuart Carswell was in there as well. I really love. There's a lot of really experienced players, but you look at obviously a couple of players you brought in over the the summer. Finley Gray from Broomhill, who I've raved about for a long time, is a really good player, especially at this level. We like a kind of Declan Bond, who's hit the ground running as well. But two players I want to touch on that you've that obviously I've spoke to a few times and obviously rave a bit of their time at Dumbarton so far. Greg Wild coming in obviously is can add had that really good experience. Obviously won the the SPL, but more, more another one as well that you brought in just a couple of months ago, John Gemmell. I mean, there's a lot of really good players in that team. How how good to be to get that kind of balance? And obviously with the likes of John and Greg, a lot of good experience in there. And how key have they been so far to your start? Helping start. I mean, last year, if you take Greg Buchanan, for instance, consistency is everything at every level, Scott. You know, consistency and selection consistency and partnerships, you know, about all about the team. You know, I know we're going on to Scotland, speak about Scotland, you know, later, but, you know, you look at the two performances with Scotland, has Steve been able to, to pick that consistent uh, team and selection out of the last two games? Definitely helps. And Gregory last year, I think, had 10 different centre-half partners. Yeah. And the centre-half, centre -half, for instance, is one of the most important partnership areas that you'll get in any team, you know, in terms of having that continuity. And, and this year, having Stuart Carswell in particular, you know, have been excellent for me in that, that position because they've played really, really well. And and performances, I always say this to players, it's performances at pick teams. It's not necessarily players, it's not necessarily reputations, it's performances. Well, it certainly is with me. Do you know, and, and if players go on and do well, then that continuity is easy. I mean, it's easy to continue to pick players when you're winning games and, and, and the performances are good. Uh, but like Sir Greg Wilde, Greg Wilde, if you take Greg Wilde, for instance, I think any manager will tell you this. Do you know, in terms of how how you rate it as a manager with your players. It's not sometimes for the players that's playing because players love you in the words of the song. Players love you when they only love you when they're playing. But, you know, sometimes it's players that are no playing that you've got to manage them, right? And Greg has not played a lot for me this year mm -hmm. uh, and he's not been able to get in the team because Martin and has been doing really, really well. Yeah. But, you know, just having that conversation with Greg, he's mature, he's played at a really, really good level and he gets it and he understands it. 
and he's just got to wait for his opportunity. And he's the first to tell you that. And that's the types of players that you want at your football club. John, bringing John to the club. Do you know, I played in over 35 with John. And right. how I got to see him, I, I hadn't really... I'd worked against John Gemmell over the years, obviously, when he was at Stennis Muir and, and other clubs. But I'd never... I'd never I didn't really know John as an individual. But the minute he came into 35, I liked him as a, as a lad. I liked his attitude and his application. That means a lot to me. And then, you know, we were looking for that type of striker. We've got Declan Byrne, we've got Ryan Wallace, I think, who are good strikers, who are decent mobility, who go and run channels, who go and break lines, disrupt back fours. But we just needed that. We just needed that striker who was a wee bit different. And and John fitted that ilk and he was uh, he came in, he worked really hard with the sports scientists and got himself probably in the best shape of his, his career. Uh, and he, I'll be honest with you, Scott, he's been a great addition for us so far. So... Yeah. May it continue? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned there, obviously, about the kind of quality of the league. And we were doing, obviously, our season preview a couple of months ago. And this was the one league where we were like, I think with four of us on and with four different answers of who would win the league. It was, and that was the thing as well. Look, it's so stacked with so many good teams at a good level. Like so yourselves and East Fife, obviously, coming into it. Bonnie Rigg coming up. But you had four for an Annan in there. There's a lot of really good teams in that division. Have you found that so far? Like, there's a lot of really high-class opposition? It's like I said, you know, people on the people in the championship are not considered League Two as high class opposition. People in League One, probably at the top end of League One, are not considered League Two with the greatest respect as high class opposition. But when you come into League Two, it takes a special type of team to win it. You know, because this season, the teams you've mentioned, you throw Stirling in there, Stranraer in there, just you know, uh, in there. Every single team is capable on their day, and that that's proven. That's probably how we've got the we get the small gap that we've. Yeah. Got. They've won games consistently, where other teams have been beating each other and taking points each, each other and draw, drawing games as well, because the games are so, so tight. And that's how we've managed to get that, that, that slight march. But ultimately, you know, it's, the season's about 36 games, and it's certainly not about the, the middle of September or the end of September. And, and every club knows that. We know that Adam Barton and Stennis Muir and Stirling Albion are tucked up in behind us. will be, be knowing that there's so much football still to be played. But if you're going to win this league and be successful in this league, then you can be absolutely assured you'll learn it. Yeah, definitely. And it's as we say, it's, it's such a, a high-class league. But he's obviously had a really good start. He's, a, he's won your first seven games. Obviously, the game against Dunrad was a bit... It was a kind of weird game as well. It was kind of... There was a lot happening. There was a lot going on. I remember getting updates and there was a, there seemed to be a lot of action. And the only kind of blemish in the season, apart from that, was obviously the defeat to the to Rangers in the SP, SPFL Trust Trophy. What was that like to take? Because it was a kind of... It was one that was out of the blue. I know Rangers B have obviously got a lot of really young, good young players, but it was a 7-0 defeat. Was it Was it just an overall bad night or were Rangers just really impressive on the night? First of all, Rangers were very, very good. Do you know, we, we, I think we made eight or nine changes that night and we, we involved a, a, one of the young lads as well for, the, for the, the youth development. So I don't regret that. I don't regret getting people game time. Uh, ultimately, you know, the SPFL Trust Trophy, and, and I'm not going to disrespect it, but it's not my priority. You know, other yeah. managers will have different priorities, and that's that's the way we, we all work differently. But it's certainly not my priority. You know, the league is our priority this year, so I made the, the, the decision to to make those changes in that evening. And, you know, I, I listened to Robbie Nielsen in, in the radio last week, actually, and he made a good point when he came back for Europe. The last time he made six changes and they defeated on the, the Sunday, and he, and he came back this time and only made, you know, after the most recent one, only made, I think, two or three and, and, and they went and beat Motherwell. So, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter if the squad's good enough and you trust your squad, but, you know, Celtic being an example, 
Actually, mum, you know, two weeks ago, I think he made six or seven changes. Yeah. So mum turned them over. So sometimes you can make too many changes, Scott, you know, and you can just take that rhythm out of your game, take that continuity out of your selection, and, and it can be just too many at once. And I think probably on that evening, it was a case of that. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. But we'll touch, obviously, a wee bit later on about Dumbarton and obviously what's coming up for you is a lot of, a lot of actions come up, plus a big Scottish Cup tie that I'm keen to get your thoughts on. But over the, the past few days, Scotland have been in action. Scotland obviously faced Ukraine on Wednesday night, a big big opportunity in the Nations League to get a victory against the Ukraine side, obviously, but a lot of, a lot to prove after the defeat in the World Cup playoff. Stevie, we always were Scotland fans. We always think of, we always worry with Scotland that it's just going to be a bad night, but and the performance just won't be up to the standard we we hope for. But on Wednesday night, it was such a breath of fresh air to see just how good this Scotland team played. Second half, I mean, first half wasn't really up to much, but second half, once they got going, they created so many chances and eventually. Joy McGinn get the breakthrough. How how refreshing was it to see a, a really high-class Scotland performance, which I think this was on Wednesday? It was good. It was good. And particularly after the the, the summer, you know, we obviously went to to, to Republic Island and get turned over. Uh, and we'd lost a couple just getting into that game. So there was a wee bit of a test, a wee bit of pressure that comes with Scottish media. As it happens, you know, you lose two games and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're X, Y, and Z, but certainly the, the team went and applied itself. Steve changed the shape Wednesday night in terms of what he what he'd been playing previously. Think that worked? I think it worked. I, I think it worked. I think I think the players again. Do you know you can have any philosophy as a manager you want, but it'll always be with the players that's at your disposal. And I just think the players they had at his disposal, and the players that he wanted to play, that shape suited them. I think the shape suited them on Wednesday night. They could go press high in that shape, knowing that they had the back four. That was uh, the two fullbacks sort of wee bit deeper in terms of in Wednesday night with the two centre backs, but and then, and and, and on, you know normally when you when you play a four three three as as he did in in terms of pressing that high you, you normally have one sitting out the game of the midfielders he didn't he if you looked at it his six went and pressed really really high up the pitch and and were brave uh, and we got the rewards and I thought you know thoroughly deserved it. And I thought when we did get in possession of the ball, it wasn't just about how we pressed without it and how we, we got, went and got it back. When we when we were in possession, we went and really created really good chances and, and there was good patterns of play. So, no, I thoroughly deserved their one. Who, what can I, who can I play as stood out to you? Like for me, I thought Shea Adams was magnificent. I thought he was very unlucky to, to be dropped kind of last night, but there was there were so many really impressive performances in that Scotland team on Wednesday, I thought. Listen, when you play that shape, you, your nine, you know, as I describe it, your nine needs to be, your nine's isolated a lot of the time, you know, in terms of, you know, and, and sometimes rather than taking one touch where they'll get people, when you play that two up top, you can sometimes go and pop it off to that striker who's up there with you or that 10 if there's a 10 playing higher up the pitch. But sometimes in that shape, the nine's got to you know, live with the ball a wee bit more. He's got to, he's got him in possession, got to take more touches and secure it for you to allow players to get in touch with him. And I thought he did that fantastically well. Do you know, I think he plays a similar a similar role in terms of his Southampton as well. So it probably suited him. Lyndon's a wee bit different. You come on, he's he's wanting to go and win flick-ons where people go and break the lines off him. But with Shea Adams, he's different. You know you can put it into him and, and you know he secures the ball well to allow people to get in touch. So he did that very well that night there. And see, obviously, like that as well. Obviously, from a manager's perspective, like London Dykes obviously come on, scored the two goals. I think, I think he felt a massive relief. I think he was something like he hadn't scored in fifteen games for QPR. Like when you're in that position and you've got a striker who scored two goals, but you've also got Shea Adams who's been so effective in the game before. How hard is it to make that call about who goes into the next game? Because I think that was that was a massive call. Like 
it's a tough one to get right, isn't it? Like, what would you have went for? Would you have went for Dykes in his goal-scoring form? Or do you think Adams is unlucky to be dropped? I think, I think Adams was very unlucky to be dropped, but I can understand why Steve went for, for Lyndon Dykes because I think, actually, because it wasn't, you weren't playing against a back four, whereas Ukraine, you played against a four. Do you know, last night you played against a three. And you probably played against a wee bit maybe a physical three last night. Mm-hmm. Do you know, in terms of Ireland, they're physical. Do you know, they're, they're, they're four, five, and six are physical. And I think he went for that physicality with, with Lyndon and hopeful, you know, in terms of, you know, that aerial threat and people being doing the sides of centre-backs because the one thing with playing the three, if, you know, you have got a nine who's going to flick things on, then, you know, the outside of that, that wide centre-back and the right and the wide, the wide centre-back and the left, you can get people into that area. And I think that was what I mean. I wasn't involved at all as, as none as well, but I would suspect that that's probably what tipped the balance in Lyndon's favour. No, probably not so much the goals, but in terms of his physicality and what he on the evening. And getting into the Ireland game, obviously, there was a massive amount of build-up to this game, obviously, after you said about the the result in June where Ireland just completely run over the top of Scotland. But getting into that game, the first half Ireland, I, I don't think Ireland were great. I don't think they're a, a good side. But I think Scotland, I think, I don't, I don't, we didn't see the same intensity. We didn't see the same kind of going for the jugular. I thought Scotland were very standoffish and allowed Ireland to play their game. Obviously, they got their goal in the first half. What would you, what would you kind of summarise the first half? I just thought we were too part. I thought we were too, one. I thought we were, too, we're centre backs were too deep in the first half. Mm. I think when you play, when you play that shape that we're playing with, it, your two centre backs are crucial to get us up the pitch, so you can get you know Callum McGregor and McTominay higher, and we can go and we can go and be, be in their faces in their own half. So I thought we were a wee probably five yards deep in the first half, and I thought we were too passive. I thought we were, I thought we were taking our touches back apart too much. You no, know, we're full backs. Particularly, particularly in, in the left side with, with, with Kieran Tierney, you know, he was getting and his touch was coming back to part and going back to centre-backs. Uh, I thought we just we were a wee bit passive and, we're, and just a wee bit too cautious in our play and, and we're passing forward and I just don't think we broke the lines we were passes enough. And then the second half, I thought we were a wee bit higher to start with and we suddenly started getting into those, you know, those pockets, those tens and the, the sevens coming in off, the seven and elevens coming in off the side and, and finding those wee pockets just inside of of, of Ireland where they didn't want to come in you know centre-backs weren't sure where to sick or twist then and I thought we caused them more bother in the second half and there was a lot more as you say there was a lot more bother in the second half I thought the the first goal was brilliant <coughs> obviously Jack Henry got his goal but there was a lot I think Ireland were a bit once Scotland got a, a foothold in the game I don't think Ireland had much a solution and obviously it comes in with the penalty for five minutes to go and Christie puts it away really calmly as well. Like it, it just felt like a massive result. Like it obviously felt after the summer where things weren't going great to get this what these two big victories at Hamden and it's all going on to, to Tuesday night. But what a massive three points for Scotland on Saturday, uh, Saturday night. Oh, it was massive. And, and listen, we, we get the equaliser and then we deservedly go in front. And then you know, we things change games. Do you know, something can be a throw and it goes the opposite way that you think it should can change a game either for or against you. And then Callum McGregor's just slack with that one in the edge of the box and they counter. And Craig Gordon, you know, makes a magnificent save. And and that the moments like that are important. Moments yeah. are important if you're going to be successful. Yeah, yes, you can play well. Yes, you can have you know a game of two halves like we were probably poor on the first half and, and a lot better in the second half. But you still you still need people to make big, you know, Big moments have big moments in games where that's offensively or defensively, and certainly that save for Craig Gordon was important at that time in the game because I thought Ireland got an wee foothold just for five ten minutes, but then Scotland played their way through it after Craig's save and uh, and deservedly, in my opinion, went on to win the game. 
No, absolutely. I think it was a massive three points as well, and it obviously put Scotland in the, the front foot for Tuesday night. We'll preview that at the end, but just a wee bit of news, just by we've been on air, the Scotland, there has been a couple of pull-outs. Obviously, the likes of Kieran Tierney was pull, pulled out, injured. Scott McTominay's out as well. Barry Mackay, Stephen Kingsley for Hearts in the squad. How do you feel about their additions? Do you think they'll be, they'll be well suited to this team? Good. I mean, Barry Mackay's been... Been, been called for for a for a few weeks now. I think he was there was people calling when he had, when Steve announced the original squad. I like the lad Kingsley. I think the nice, very good player. I think he's got good balance. I think he plays. He can play either that left centre back or he can play that left that left back area. You know, I think he's a good player. Uh, I think he's got energy and intensity. Uh, I think he's aggressive defending. So no, I think he's a good addition. I think he deserved his call up. And, and Barry Mackay's obviously every you know, both with Rangers and Hearts knows what Barry Mackay on his day can be. One of those wingers that you know can go and really affect the game up that top end of the pitch. So no, two good additions to the squad. Disappointing yeah. was McTominay and 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 Kieran Tierney because that's real yeah. you're losing for your squad, obviously. But I think uh, I think the two additions are good additions. Yeah, as you say, Tierney, Tierney, McTominay, missing, but Patterson as well. I think Patterson's been a massive improver over the past few weeks. Obviously, Everton and I thought he was excellent the first half. Like I really until his injury against Ukraine. Like it's tough to replace those. Those guys, and especially it's such a massive game, it's it's hard to see a lot of players kind of going out injured. But I mean, we just hope that they're they're in good shape. But obviously, it's it's all going on to Tuesday night against Ukraine. We'll touch on that at the end. But the thing with an international break, Stevie, is we can obviously do a bit of reflection on the season so far across the leagues, and there's no there's no place to start other than the the Premiership. Celtic sitting two points clear. Obviously, had that blip against St Marin just before the, the international break. How would you assess the, the opening few weeks of the, the Premiership season? We've obviously Celtic were five points clear. Rangers haven't been maybe up to this up to the usual standard. It's been a weird kind of few weeks. Lights of Livingston have started well. How would you kind of assess the overall Premiership so far? I think in terms of the performances, I think Rangers will possibly, and this is going to sound perverse because Celtic are, are sitting top of the league, but I think Rangers will probably be a wee bit happier because they've probably no hit full gear. Do you know what? But uh, Gio Van Bronckhorst would, would be the first to accept that in, in the league. They've probably not got, got at it yet, as they know they can, and, and they'll believe that they can still come back and, and have their best period of the season you know, moving forward. So I think they'll probably be, be quite happy to be tucked in there behind Celtic. Celtic, you know, everybody knows what Celtic's got. I think St Mum was probably an off day. I heard Ange Postecoglou saying that it was the first defeat in a year. Do you know, that's that's incredible domestic record. So, do you know, they'll feel they can get back at it. And, you know, then the teams in behind them, Hearts, Livingston, you know, are doing really well. Stevie Hamill staying over at Motherwell and picked up a few results. So it's uh, that that batch in behind them are, are probably playing for those those European places. But, you know, you're all, you would expect Celtic and Rangers, but over the piece, I just think Rangers will probably be a, be happier with, it, with, with, with where they are and where the league position is and that they're no too detached from Celtic in terms of, you know, probably not hitting that top gear as yet. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think I think Rangers they haven't been great, and we've I mean we've been on here a, a lot speaking about the kind of situation at the club just now. But I think the fact that it is only two points at the moment, it was five before that St Mirren game. I think there will be a wee bit of calmness back at Ibrooks. But a few clubs I want to touch on the Premiership, and I want to get your thoughts on. I mean, it seems to be every every season we talk about just how good Livingston perform with the kind of resources they've got, but. David Martindale, for example, how much credit does he deserve for the job he's done at Livingston since he's been there? 
And I've known David for a long, long time. You know, I worked, I worked against him in the lower leagues when he was when he was playing. He strayed with behind David Hopkirk and uh, David Hopkirk and other boys. You know, as, as assistant manager, he then got the opportunity to to, to take the job. And I, I think Scottish football fans no need to get away from this surprised element of Livingston. Yeah. Livingston are a good side. No, Livingston are a good side. Livingston have been a well, was it was it two domestic semi-finals in, in recent years? You know, Livingston are a good side. They continue just people say he continues to battle against the odds, but he just keep continuing to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he continues to they, to grind out big results. You know, early the t- his tenure, he's beat Celtic, he's beat Rangers. You know, he's, he's touched over at oh, Aberdeen, he's touched over Hibs. One, you're a good manager if you do that, and two, you've got a decent team at your disposal. So I think I think David Martindale and Livingston are, are there. You know, in merit, and I and I just don't think they'll surprise package anymore because I just actually think they're a very good Premier League side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think as well. Uh, he's he's been sensational so far in this season. Likes a kind of Joe Newblay. There's a the thing with Livingston that catches my eye is they find these wee gems who you think at the time where are they fit, what are they signing these players for? But they come in and they're so effective, and it just goes down to good management, and it's that simple. Good management, good recruitment, Scott. I mean, yeah. recruitment because they've obviously got their, their pool that they want to to, to look at and analyse. And you know, some some managers, you know, like uh, Celtic, it seems to be that that Asian market, a South Asian market just now. You know, David Martindale seems to be that lower leagues in England man, ed, market. So every manager and every recruitment team will have the the marketplaces, but certainly has marketplaces and the people he's got to look at where he's looking at them is is very good because he's picked up some real gems over the years, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. Another team I want to touch on, obviously, two teams towards the bottom of the league. Kilmarnock, obviously, four points from seven games. Not at the start, I think a lot of people thought. And obviously, this week, a bit of an off-field situation with Kyle Lafferty. How, how difficult has it been the start for Kilmarnock? Has it been... Because one thing that catches my eye is the, the lack of goals they've got. I mean, I'm just looking here. The minus nine in goal difference, and they've only scored three goals in seven games. That... If you want to hit the ground running in the league, you need to be scoring more goals. And they have the strikers to do it. I mean, Lafferty was there, Ollie Shaw, Christian Dodge, they have a lot of good players. What's been going on for Kelly so far, do you think? I just don't think they've got going. I think, I mean, listen, I, the one thing I will say is I rate Derek McInnes. I rated him at Aberdeen uh, and I rate him in Kilmarnock. And I think, you know, he, he, he obviously got Kilmarnock promoted last year. And I would suggest that, you, you judge Derek in May because I think in May most Kilmarnock fans in my opinion will be will be fairly uh, you know they'll be fairly satisfied with the job that Derek does because I actually think Kilmarnock will be fine uh, they've got to be realistic you're, you know sometimes your, your your expectations go to meet your reality and I'm not sure Kilmarnock this year are a top six club uh, I've heard people talking about that but I'm not sure uh, I think if Derek gets them near that then he, he's done very very well but I think this year is about stability. It's about coming up. It's about solidifying the position in that Premier League, and then building building on that. And I'm sure that that's the way Derek and and, and Tony see it also. But I, I just think Kilmarnock will be fine. I think in terms of that that goal scorer, so again they've got good goal scorers at the club. The boy Dodge has only been in the he's only been in the building a couple of weeks. I like him. Do you know what? I like him. He's uh, I thought he did well for Hibs. I worked against him a couple of times when he was at Hibs with, with Stranar, so I think he's uh, in cup games, so I think he's a very, very good player and I think he'll be a good addition. But with strikers, strikers need that six, seven, eight games, you know, to get themselves going and I'm sure that the boy Dodge will because he's scored goals at this level and I think that's what Derek and Tony will have brought him in for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think they will hit the ground running. I think they will eventually just get it going. I think it's just been a difficult start. And there's nothing worse when your, your goal scorer is the guy you rely on. 
aren't in form. But once they get there, it's very hard to get them out of it. So I think Kilmarnock will actually turn the corner. The team bottom of the league have just appointed, made the permanent appointment of Liam Fox to become the permanent manager. But obviously, what I want to touch on with you is East Fife manager Stevie Crawford going there as his assistant. Were you surprised when you heard that? And which are kind of overall thoughts on the whole appointment? I wasn't surprised because I know that I know that Stevie and Liam have got history, and do you know that you know, there's a trust there. And and ask any manager, any manager will tell you they like to bring in somebody who they trust because you know you you don't want to be a manager and ever have you know wing mirrors on where you're looking yeah. over your shoulder saying what's he saying or what's she saying. You know behind my back, it's 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 important that your backroom team is is people you can trust with your life and and also you know. There's more to Stevie than just that trust with Liam because he obviously rates him as a as a coach and football knowledge that he's going to need it in the United. And and Stevie's worked in all his days, most of his days, run about that top level in Scotland. And he's he's been a manager recently at Dunfermline, a big big club. So I think he, he probably ticks a lot of boxes to come in as assistant manager. Knows what a manager will want and need because he's been there. And I think Liam will see that in him as well. So you know, hopefully it proves a good appointment because I like Craw Ed, Stevie Crawford. He's a good lad. Uh, I don't know the boy Liam Fox, but I wish him all the best, and I hope the two of them are successful there. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's 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 a, a point as well. We saw it earlier on with Stevie Hamill. It's it's good to see as opposed to kind of merry go round that we see where a lot of kind of a lot of these appointments. It's like Stevie Hamill's come in his first job at a club like Motherwell, which has obviously been there for years. Liam Fox again just coming in to Dundee United in a really tough situation as well. I mean. I felt for Jack Ross. I think he was unlucky. I think just a lot of things weren't in his favour. But it's now Liam Fox has got a big opportunity to really kind of bring a bit of confidence back to that team. So it'll be really interesting to see that. But we'll move into the Championship. Ayr and Partick Thistle sit top on 14 points. Queen's Park and third and 13. Inverness and Dundee make up the top five with Wraith and Morton. Very open league. There's only five, uh, four points between first and fifth. Who's been the kind of eye catchers in the championship so far? I think you're United. I think you're United. I think Lee Bullen's done really, really well. We played them in pre-season in the game. Uh, and you you can't tell anything in pre-season. You know, people get waxed lyrical about results in pre-season. I've never understood that because you can't tell anything. But you certainly listened to Lee Bullen and speaking to Lee Bullen. He, he was confident that by last year, you know, coming in and, and keeping them in the championship, they could go and build and grow in that. And, and he kept a large majority of his, his, his players for last season. And I think that's crucial. You know, uh, People will think if you keep players that's finished in the kind of lower end, aren't you long as they're league, that you're doing the wrong thing. I don't always think that's true. I think you know if you can keep continuity and then build with that and add quality to that, then you'll give yourself a chance. And that's what he's done. And I think uh, I think here have probably been a wee bit of a surprise package for most players, uh, uh, for most people. Patrick Thistle doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know, he McCall's... Ian McCall again has got that that continuity. He's, you know, there's players there that have been there a lot of years now, uh, and he's added to two or three every year. He's not had to make mass changes, and that's since he was in League One. And you can see that he's just been building slowly, and, and Partick Thistle are, are in a good place. But you know, both and I'll tell you it's early days. But certainly, United uh, have have surprised probably most people. Yeah, I'll go for United as well. Queens Park, I'm quite surprised about them. I know obviously they're ambitious and they've got a lot, a lot of kind of plans to be big in the, the next couple of years but I think I, I don't know if it, I wouldn't say it was a surprise for them maybe going up last season like I think I, I I thought maybe in the summer they were maybe up a year too early but they've had the ground running really well they're only a point behind top they've been as they, they've kind of really caught my eye actually because they they obviously they do have the ambition but they're certainly they're, 
the recruitment I thought was a little oh, right, right wait a minute are they planning and kind of just staying in the league and maybe going for it next year but they've certainly showed so far that they're, they're trying to compete at the top they absolutely are they absolutely are Owen Conyers recruited well the boy Grant Savory we worked against him last year he's he's a very good player you know plays in that plays in that kind of 10 role and then goes and breaks lines and gets his he scored today I think he scored today in the, in the cup game as well yeah. so, you know, he's made one or two signings that probably people didn't know a great deal about but just sometimes these signings can be the best signings. And uh, and I think, again, he kept most of the nucleus of his squad and, and they seem to play a certain style as well. Queen's Park, they played it in League Two and they played, in, they played it in League One, a style that probably is, catches people a wee bit uh, by surprise. And I think they seem to be doing that in the Championship also. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll move into League One as well. The, the thing that catches my again with all the leagues is the competitiveness of it. There's only... There's only four points between first and sixth and Fairmont, Airdrie, Alloa, Edinburgh and Trose Falk are all in there. That is a really tough league. I think it's going to be so unpredictable this year. Yes, I mean, I, I was saying that I had them barns, you know, I, I remember speaking to Jim Duffy before I took the job, just having a player with Jim and, you know, he said that it's just becoming more difficult every year, League One. And and it is, it's, it's possibly, arguably, the most competitive league in, in, in any of the four leagues. It's just so, because they're so tightly, so, so tightly matched. You know, you look at Montrose in there, teams that understand it, you look at them, Fairland in there, Falkirk in there, you know, Falkirk Football Club have been in there for now three or four years. Mm. You know, whoever ever thought that they would find themselves in the third tier of Scottish football for that long, but it's a hard division to go to Scott. It's a hard, hard division to compete in. You know, and if, you, if you're going to, again, I said it earlier about League Two, but if you're going to be successful in League One, then by God, you'll have earned it. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just really start league. And league Two, obviously, we spoke about it earlier. You you have obviously built up a seven-point league, but as you say, it's it's not just about getting that fast start. It's keeping the consistency going. And you know as well as I do, these clubs, the clubs behind you, are they're more than capable of putting a run together themselves, aren't they? Of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. And, and you know, listen, when a team kind of has the start that we've had, we're we're the ones that everybody's wanting to have a pop at and everybody's wanting to you know play against. We seen that at Stranraer, Stranraer beat us fair and square last Tuesday night, but the, the reaction for the Stranraer players told you that it meant a lot to them. Do you know, so that's. That's what happens when you go in that run and, and you find yourself top of the league and, and probably one of the bigger clubs in the division as well. So we've just got to make sure that you know, we keep that humility. We, we, we don't allow egos to, to get the better of us and we just keep working really, really hard. And if we do that with the quality that's in the squad and we take one game at a time, then I generally believe that we, we can have a successful season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a really competitive league. And as you say, it's I'm really interested to see how it's going to kind of work this season but so Steve we obviously opened the floor to the, the viewers and the fans when we, hit to, when we announced you were coming on the show and we got some questions some some entertaining questions some serious the first one I've got is what is Stevie's overall thoughts in the pyramid system in Scottish football with clubs like Stevie played for like Cumnock, Arvin Medal and Co-Winning now getting a chance to prove themselves in the top leagues what is your thoughts in the pyramid system do you think it's a good thing for Scottish football? I do. I think it's a great thing. I, I do think, if I'm asked my honest opinion, I think there should be parity and fairness for the top division, yeah, the SPFL uh, Premier League, right right down to the, the west of Scotland, or lower than that, the conference leagues, because whatever you do in one league, you should do in the other. I mean, I've never been a believer that, for instance, League One uh, and the Championship should be playing, the Championship bottom club should be playing you know, the, the second, third and fourth. Of, of, of League One and the same in, in, in you know, League One and League Two and then in the Premier League it's something quite different I think it should be the same and then I think it should be the exact same the identical 
in terms of, uh, I think, the bottom club for the SPF, SPFL. And, you know, I'm not going to be popular with my SPFL colleagues when I say this, but I think if you've been fair, that bottom club, if you finish bottom of the SPFL, then you need any club that finishes bottom of the league should be relegated. You know, I just feel that that's, that that's my own personal football point of view. I think any club that finishes bottom of the league should be relegated. And then there should be an opportunity for the clubs in below who have done really well and finished in the top end to, to, to come up and, and you know play a playoff to be in that. I think it's I think if you're going to create a pyramid, then you've got to give the people at the bottom of that pyramid every opportunity to progress. And I'm not sure that Scottish football does that. Yeah, I think I think you've you've got it spot on. I think as well, when you look at the likes of the West, like a good example of that is obviously last season, Darvel, Trinent and St. Cuthbert's, they they had to they had to go through a three-team playoff to get one only one of them get through. And I I, th- I, I think the other way of looking at that, and I agree with you, like if you finish bottom of your league, you should be relegated. But also, if you win your league and there's a chance to go up another level, you shouldn't have to go through a playoff, in my opinion. It should be... Now, that the, the issue you've got with that is is that more teams come down, but you have to... You can't have won... You can't have this thing all right. You've won your league. I mean, St. Cuthbert's, I think, won the league by 20 points or something like that. Yeah. And they went up against Darvo and Trinent. And yeah. were comfortably put away, so it's that thing of right. Are are these South teams against the likes of the East and the West that we know have got a lot bit a lot bigger budgets? They're never going to get that fair chance to go up the leagues. Like it's it's a weird way. Can a Scottish football do it? In my opinion, no, and I agree with that. And and if that was the case, and and you know, obviously I, I wasn't a part of that decision making, so I'm only from one personal opinion on that. But you know, why create the pyramid then? You know, why why create the pyramid if you're not going to give these clubs the opportunity? You know, just just don't create the pyramid in the, in the structure that you did. It's important that the clubs that are successful are given the opportunity to progress. And I think in any walk of life, that's you know that people would say that's fair. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's in football or any other sport. If you if you if you're successful and have a successful season and win your win your requisite league, then you should have the opportunity to progress. Uh, okay. Don't think MD can argue with that. Absolutely. Quick question for you, Jordan, or about uh, your, your trip back to Townhead Park. How much are you looking forward to going back to Cumnock in the Scottish Cup? And what was your favourite memories of playing at the club? I'm looking forward to being back, Scott. I'm no one, I think people know me most. I'm no one, I don't, I don't get really hung up in the past. And, you know, the past the past. And I've had some good times in the past, some bad times in the past, just like any other footballer, any other manager. And, and the memories are good and the memories are bad. And that's what they are. But so there's no... On that day, you know, I'll be turning Barton back there trying to win a cup tie and, and, and Brian McGinty and come to the we try to win a cup tie against the Barton and that, that's just the way football is. And so in terms of that day itself, that will take care of itself. In terms of looking back at the club, you know, I'd, I had a good time at the club. I got, you know, we got to a Scottish Cup final. Uh, probably look at it with a bit, bit of sweetness because we got there against Bathgate and deservedly, I think we beat Auckland Lake in the quarters of the semis. Good Auckland Lake side in the quarters of the semis and and we got there in merit, but and we're one 0 up with with twelve minutes to go, I think, and, and really actually total control of the game. I remember speaking to Dan Anderson about this, and and Dan and I played in that game, and we we're in complete control, we were comfortable, and then we lost a a Paul McGrillen goal, God rest his soul, you know, mm-hmm. goal, scored the goal that probably we since rec, uh, retrospectively it wasn't a goal, it wasn't over the line, and that's what we speak about earlier. Do you know, you need DB bits of luck, you need DB things, wee moments and games that will go for you. And it went for Bathgate that day, and they went on to to score the winner and, and win the cup. So great to to take coming up. 
I mean, I say that's about coming up and co-winning. I remember winning the cup with co-winning and we did, we went through the streets and it was a magnificent night. But I remember getting beaten the cup with Cumnock and going through the streets of Cumnock and think and just thinking to myself quietly, my God, what if we had won this? Because mm-hmm. the crowds that night in Cumnock, when we had been beat, if we had won it, I, you know, I would love to see it. Particularly with all the rivalry with Auchin Lake and all those years of torture of walking, watching their neighbours down the, the road win it so many times. I think if we'd managed to win it that night, then or that day, sorry, I think the crowds would have been unbelievable in Cumnock that night. Yeah, they absolutely would have been. Next question is from Alan Brown. Can you ask Steve about his time coaching the Kilmarnock Prisoner team and how good was it to give give lads a chance for something positive to look forward to? Dana, Dana Brown, he's uh, <laughs> worked with me. Listen, I, they were great times. You, you never forget where you come from, the journey that you've taken, you know, and it, it takes all sorts and I, and I don't forget that. I try and don't forget it and try and forget where I came from. That was part of my learning. That was part of, you know, I took them all in. They were like Josh's Giants, I remember, when I tried to start the prison team and I went to see the, the governor to see if I could get them in a league and he kind of raised his eyebrows and he, I said it would obviously be all home games, you know, which I'm actually, you know, the local team, I think it was a Cumnock and Auckland League or some Sunday league. You know, I've got to thank them because they allowed the boys in to play and we got them together and we started training, coaching and it probably just took those boys for a year of their life, just something different, just something what I will say, Scott, without naming names, there was one or two of the boys in that that would have played, would have played, in my opinion, League One Championship easy. And that for that team that I had then, they were uh, exceptional talents, exceptional talents. And you know, just life and bad decision and making life had led them the wrong path. But certainly in terms of when it came out with a ball, when it's it's unilateral with, with a ball in it, it doesn't matter what you've done in life. You know, it doesn't matter where you're playing, where you're playing in the prison, or where you're playing out in the park, or where you're playing at Hamden. You know, what you can do with a ball never changes and, and these boys were excellent and they ended up going and winning the league. You know, so it was a special year for the lads and something to look back for. And I, I remember getting a lot of letters for the boys, you know, personal letters, just thanking me. And I think I've still got one of the two of the letters. So, you know, a nice time to look back on. Yeah, that's brilliant. A couple of kind of things that I think will give you a wee laugh. First and foremost, I'm just, you'll probably you'll probably know who that is, but it's worth obviously just get, letting you guess. Asked Stevie if he was happy I scored a hat-trick that day to win us the Super League and that was the only honour he hadn't won to complete the set of all junior honours he had. It's going to be Charlie Adam, isn't it? No, it's not, actually. John McMullen? No. Who is it? A hat-trick? I don't Winning know. the Super League. Yeah, that was the day we beat Cumnock. We beat Cumnock 7-2, I think. We're doing 2-1 at half-time. I'll not tell you who scored the equaliser, but it wasn't him, whoever it is. It was... Yeah... No, we won 7-2. I don't know who it was who scored the hat-trick, did he? He will not mind me mentioning him. It's Ian Cashmore. Oh, is it Cash? Yeah, is it? I should have known. I should have. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm trying to thank you all the boys who like and are, you know, I've got, I've got to say I've got egos. So there was Adams in my view and there was McMillan in my view, but uh, my mind, sorry. So I know Ian Cashmore. Listen, it was, it was good because we... I played in a very, very successful team. I was lucky when I left Stennis Muir, I kind of I dropped an equal one in at a time where... In my opinion, there wasn't there wasn't a better team at that team for probably five or six years. I think we won the league five five years out of six or something. So I was very very fortunate to play with a special group of people and players at that time. Uh, and Ian Cashmore was one of them. Do you know what a player? I mean, to be what a kid, what a great lad, and uh, a fantastic goal scorer, fantastic goal scorer. And you know what's great? He's he's thirty nine, forty now, and he's he's trying to organise a game. 
a, a kind of benefit game uh, in, the, in the coming months. And he was, I was speaking to him in our text the other day there, and he's still got an unbelievable passion for the game. And he still does it. At, you know, he's 40 yeah. and he's telling me about scoring goals for his amateur team. And, that, and you know, that just tells you why the boys had a decent career at that level, because he just he just loved doing what he did. Mm, absolutely. He'll give me pelters that I forgot that he scored a hat trick. <laughs> Final question. Where does Graham Dempsey rank in terms of managers you've came across? That's John Gemmell, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, that's another lad. Again, people people criticise him, but I think, you know, the people who criticise him all love him at the same right. point. You know, they all love him. They all love his enthusiasm. You know, he takes an over-35s team where he gets pelters and, you know, he's trying to get, I don't know, a load of 50-year-olds, 45-year-olds who are past playing, get other things to do on a Friday night, and he's trying to bring them together, make them through in the group chat and try to get friendly games, and he's... <coughs> Keen as mustard, and I was delighted for him. He got an opportunity there at, at, at Luger with, with George Wallace because he's a great lad and he wants to learn. He's a sponge, you know, he wants to learn. He's wanting to ask questions all the time. And, you know, he's, uh, and I just thought Gems would probably ask that question I, of, of, of Dems. But no, he's a good lad, good lad, very good lad. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really good guy. Always, always nice to talk to about the channel as well. And it's obviously been great to have you on, Stevie, but we're, we're kind of getting to the stage where I kind of need to ask you a bit. Give us a prediction for Tuesday's game. Obviously, Ukraine away, a win, and it's pretty much a playoff in the, the Nations League, a chance to qualify for the Euros. Give us a prediction. I want to put you in the spot. Will Scotland do it? Listen, I'm always optimistic. I really am. I know we've got we've got too many pessimists in this country, uh, but I just I just don't want us to get too carried away with the, the two results that we've had. I think to play three elite-level elite games in the space of six days is, is really, really difficult and don't underestimate how hard that is. So it'll be interesting to see his squad rotation and who picks for the game. But I think if we're, if we're really hard to beat and our shape's really good defensively, then I think we can go there first and foremost and, and you know, be, be stubborn in the game and hopefully nick that that one up the top end of the pitch that, that, that gives us the result that we want. And I think I think at least we can get a draw. So I'm, I'm optimistic we can finish on Tuesday night, you know, at the end of Tuesday night as, as, as group leaders, which would be fantastic. Yeah, I think a draw would be a great result. And obviously, Stevie, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the show and we're wishing you all the best to the, the season ahead with Dumbarton. Thank you very much for joining me. Cheers, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, everyone, that's tuned in. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channels. Thank you very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers.